Tomorrowland Transit Authority Metroliner nonstop now departing Rocket Tower Plaza Station for a round trip Super Skyway tour. For the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities, forget about your worries and your strife. And welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 307 for the week of December 30th, 2012. It's our final show of this year, and I look forward to a safe, happy, and healthy new year for all of you, and being able to bring you a little bit of Disney magic to wherever you may be with this podcast, videos, blog, live broadcasts, events, my Walt Disney World trivia books, CDs, free app, and more. You can find it all over at www.radio.com. And so as this year comes to a close, I invite you to join us around the table as we recap the Walt Disney World Year in Review 2012. We'll look back at the announcements, events, openings, closures, and memorable moments from the past 12 months. We'll then take a peek ahead to what's coming to Walt Disney World in 2013. I'll then have some announcements at the end of the show, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. comes to a close, we often get reflective around this time of year, looking back on our lives, memories, forgotten New Year's resolutions, we smile back at the good times, and of course, start turning our sights towards what the future may hold. But before we enthusiastically welcome in the new year and look optimistically towards what all the joys and opportunities it's going to bring, I want to take a moment, which in Lou Mangiello terms is about an hour or two, and look back at Disney in 2012 and some of its memorable moments, events, experiences, announcements, and much more. And because all these things are best experienced by and with friends and fellow Disney enthusiasts, it's only appropriate that I invite just a few of them to the virtual roundtable to pull up a chair by the fire, warm a cup of tea, or in case of Florida, an iced tea or citrus swirl, and reminisce with us all. So in no particular order other than ladies first, I want to welcome back Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Hey, Lou, it's great to be here, and I'm so glad the show because 2012 was a blur. <laughs> great. Well, we have notes. Don't worry. We have notes. <laughs> We're going to help you along uh, through what you slept through. We also have Susanna wow. DiMarzio from Xanaland.com. Hey, Lou, it's great to be here, and I'm excited to 
remember some of the highlights from 2012. I'm here to help refresh your recollection, <laughs> to use a lawyer term. We also have Scott Otis from Otisburg and the bushes in my front yard. Howdy, everyone. Glad to be here. <laughs> and of course, Glenn Whalen from Pretty Good Movie Ride and Googling WDW. Lou, you're going to have to help me out on this because the last eight hours are already a blur for me. <laughs> well, you've all, listen, you've come here with, with warm hearts and full bellies from Mama Melrose's, so you should be ready to go. But I, I want to, like I said, I want to sort of quickly, I'm using air quotes and I say quickly, think back to 2012 and some of the big events and announcements that I think probably some of those jump right to the front of your mind, right? Like the, the real big things that happened and opened. But I want to sort of start from the beginning and talk about some of those things that maybe we've forgotten because of some of the things that have uh, come by. Because I think at the time or even now, they may seem relatively minor, but I think they're also important to us as Disney fans, potentially important to us personally from some memories that we share from there. And we're going to look primarily at Walt Disney World, but also touch on other events that impact, impact I think, not just the Walt Disney World theme parks, but again, us as Disney fans. So when I was looking back to January and trying to recall and use the Google to, to find out things, it seems like it was a million years ago. Um, the first thing that, that came to mind uh, when I was thinking about January of last year was Marathon Weekend that has always become such sort of, I keep talking about it as a destination weekend, even though for all of us who are in the room and uh, <laughs> Becky across the planet who don't actually run in the marathons, it still is a great fun event for us. We cheer. We're there to support the running team. We're there to support our friends and family that run. It's it's a fun weekend that has nothing to do with any of us getting ex any exercise. But for me, uh, the, the thing that really stuck out for me was this was the first year of hopefully many more in the future that, uh, you know, the, the running team and a lot of what we do uh, at WW Radio is uh, tied into the Dream Team Project, which raises money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation to send seriously ill children and their families to Walt Disney World. Well, during Marathon Weekend, two of those families that we had sponsored wishes for actually came down during that time, and we and the runners had a chance to meet them and spend some time with them. And, you know, not to sort of uh, use a, a too broad of a stroke, it was really one of those true life-changing experiences to be able to see the results of your efforts and to let the running team and those people who volunteer their time, their effort, their money, they, they do fundraising, to be able to see that, I, I think, was such a great reward uh, for so many people who were there. Yeah, Lou, I think the uh, running team, it's a great group of people who put something into it and they get a lot out and I think uh, just from being around that environment when the, uh, the the families are in to see it all worthwhile it is enough to to make you cry as much as the idea of running would make <laughs> me cry uh, a little bit so well yeah and I want to thank all of you individually and collectively because I said earlier this year look I had done my half marathon years ago I've said it was a one and done, but I really wanted this year for us all to do it together for all those people who were afraid to dip their water into the deep waters, of, uh, dip their toe into the deep waters of the half marathon. I said, let's all get together. We'll do, I'm taking my glasses off. We'll do the 5K together. We'll walk it. We'll run it. We'll have fun. And none of you clowns signed up except me. So I want to thank you for all your support. What, whoa, whoa, whoa. Speak for yourself there, buddy. I have quite a list of things that you're going to have on that utility belt that you promised. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but you're going to be on the sidelines with your own utility belt. Do you do you really think that I would miss out on this opportunity? Yes. Really? Yes, I do. Oh, is this a challenge? <laughs> no. Okay, wait. I, I do want to say something about Marathon really quickly because the two things that I remember most and I, I covet most of, in memory of, of doing this wonderful marathon Breakfast? besides, of course, the dream thing. No. Breakfast on a garbage can. Well, yeah, because we have to get up at like 2.30 in the morning to be where we're supposed to be, which I still don't understand that concept of getting up at 2.30 in the morning, but somehow we pull it off. Between that, and I want to make sure that all of us here remember all those little points we said last year, like, let's not forget to do that this next year when we're trying to get from point to point <laughs> in the car. <laughs> Do you, do you know what I'm talking about whatsoever? Hours and hours in traffic, yes. I remember. Yes, exactly. I remember, and, we, and I'm sure nobody took notes, and we're going to make the exact same mistakes yet again. That's, that's, that's listen, my point. Listen, the, the journey is as much fun as the destination, so and, again. And don't you worry. I'm going to be right there with you because you promised that if I agreed to do the 5K with you, you were going to carry stuff for me. Just remember that. Let's move on to other things that took place in January Let's quickly turn the, the topic back to food. Tutto Italia um, reopens in Epcot's Italy Pavilion along with the new wine bar. It's always great to see another restaurant in World Showcase. Um, President Obama actually visited the Magic Kingdom, which was very interesting, especially if you watch Twitter, because everybody's like, how is he sitting there riding Splash Mountain when he should be running the country, when we all know he was actually there to promote U.S. tourism from overseas, countries like Brazil and China. Uh, it made sense for him to be at the number one vacation destination in the world and it was obviously made for some some great photos uh, although no he did not go and see himself uh, at the hall of presidents um from a personal standpoint we updated a uh, an updated wdw radio site which is which was uh, a long time in the making and continues to be tweaked along the way but let's move into uh february again from a personal standpoint it was the f- five-year anniversary of ww radio uh on february 11th we had a great day in the parks doing a number of tasks over five hours that were created and voted on by the listeners. Uh, again, there was fundraising. There was paying some of that Disney magic forward. There was uh, the, the chalk artist and silhouette drawing, right. which took much longer yeah, the, than expected. The, the creepy Muppet Babies portrait of the five of us. <laughs> <laughs> it was a blast. Uh, that, that pay it forward thing, I will remember that forever. Um, seeing all of us run around buying popcorn for people and trying to convince little children that it's okay to take the balloon because it really is free, or at least convince right. the parents. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, I got to say our friend Christy Fasaki did a wonderful job of keeping that all in order and keeping us all having fun and, <laughs> yeah. and in line. And in line is definitely the operative yeah. word. Uh, but I think when we think back to February, uh, the the big event was on February 29th. It was a leap year. And Disney opened the parks on both coasts for 24 hours. The first time they had ever done it, it was one more Disney day. And I think what was important about this was not just the fact that it was cool to be able to spend 24 hours in the park. All of us were there for the most part for pretty much all of the 24 hours. But I think it was one of the early indications this year of something that Disney as a whole was doing, which was acknowledging and making a special event out of days like that. We'll talk about things like Epcot's 30th anniversary. Um, So doing things like that where they were really creating something that was for 
the Disney enthusiasts, the Disney fans, and giving us a chance to do something special, right? I mean, they really sort of made a big deal out of it. Right. They certainly did that. They embraced most of the social media with that because most of the people who were involved or who were expecting it were those people who followed it on Twitter or on Facebook or something like that. And we have a, a part in that. Some of the, uh, the Disney was obviously looking at what this show and other shows do and how they communicate. And they're trying to do things like that, making an event out of something special like that. It is very much a social media type thing. I agree. And I think we always think of, you know, people that have been to Disneyland as Disneyland as being a locals park. And for people over here at Walt Disney World, um, it was that was really the first time that we as locals all got together. It was like one giant meet. Um, And you just kept seeing people that you knew at every turn in the Magic Kingdom. And that was certainly, like you said, the first of of many of those types of events. And uh, I think it was a great preview of things to come. And, and there was something, I think, special about being able to be in the park at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. It wasn't about, oh, look, there's no ro- line for the Haunted Mansion. It was, look where we are at this time of night, day. Yeah, it was all of it. <clears throat> yeah, having already done the 40-hour thing the year before, staying up 24 hours was actually <laughs> pretty easy. Cake, but right? you know, I, Actually, I was pretty delirious towards the end, but so much fun with, yeah, with everyone I- there. And I think you made a good point that this is this was sort of the beginning of things that we saw in 2012. I think we're going to continue to see in 2013. But to that point about um, the Disney experience, they also launched in February the uh, opening of the Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom game. And I use air quotes again in the Magic Kingdom, because this, again, for me, is more than just a game that you can play. I think it represents sort of Disney letting us as guests and enthusiasts peel back additional layers of the onion. I think the game is brilliant, not because because I actually am not able to beat it, but it's brilliant because it not only takes you to quests in different parts of the park, I think it's unobtrusive. It lets you play together as a family. You can play individually. It's problem solving. I, I love watching kids and parents do problem solving together. There's the collectability aspect of it. There's the interactivity aspect of not interactive with the environment, but interacting with other guests, being able to collect and trade cards. Uh, I think this is just sort of scratching the surface of what that and other types of experiences like that may be, where you can take that experience, not just into the Magic Kingdom and other theme parks, but maybe even able to bring that experience home, carrying it forward with you after you leave the parks as well. I agree. I think what is amazing about the whole Sorcerer of the Magic Kingdom is is that without expanding the capacity of the park, without doing a huge uh, construction or anything like that, they added things to do all around the park that can have a bunch of people get up in line and collect something and actually walk away with something free. Yeah, exactly. And, and it is one of those things, you know, because sometimes people talk about the, the prices going up and parks getting more crowded or, or benefits going down. But you're right. It is an experience like a World Showcase adventure where it's free, and now, especially for us who are locals or people who get to come a lot, it's something else you can do that is beyond just riding the attractions. It's another experience outside of that. Definitely. And when it first opened, I mean, I would go to the Magic Kingdom all the time because I tend to get obsessed with things that are collectible like that. Um, and it was the longest time that I wasn't going on any attractions. I was just playing the game, um, and it was 
And like you said, it's it's not obtrusive. So, I mean, I can go to the parks now and, and talk to people about, oh, have you gotten cards? Have you played? And they'll be like, what are you talking about? So it's not, you know, it's some in some ways it's out and people know about it. But in other ways, if you didn't want to be, you know, bothered by that in a way, um, it's not, you know, in the way of any other attractions that you're coming there to see and we've already seen it change since it opened now there's like the t-shirts that they're selling that have little interactivity in them and stuff like that so it can only grow from here right and i like seeing people who start playing other guests walking up to them saying hey what are, what are you doing right. what is that game because they don't know about it because it's not sort of in your face when you walk in now you've got these guests talking to each other and you've, you've added something on to that other guest experience that they might have not otherwise known about mm-hmm. um Moving into March, uh, I want to talk about something that is not necessarily confined to Walt Disney World, but I think it, it has to do with Disney World because it is often as an extension of the Disney World experience, and that was the christening and the launch of the Disney Fantasy. Done a little bit different than they did with the Dream. Uh, in March 1st, they christened it in New York City, and then she was brought down. I know, Becky, you were there in New York mm-hmm. City. Uh, and then she was brought down uh, for a preview cruise that many of us were able to attend um, thanks to you know Disney inviting us on and allowing us to be part of that preview. There was a new stage show, very much the sister ship of the Disney Dream, but with, I think, some enhancements. Um, the Aladdin show is there. Disney's, Disney's Wishes is there, too. And now for those of people who were sort of their appetite was wet with the three, four, five-day cruise on the Disney Dream. Now, all of a sudden, sometimes you're saying, well, that's not long enough. And, and a seven-day cruise on the Fantasy is very much on people's radar. Right, I got to tell you that <laughs> that uh, a, a big time, as a matter of fact, the, the christening event, I have to say, was was dazzling. It was completely stunning the way that they did it with uh, Neil Patrick Harris coming out and singing a medley of songs that were owed to all things Disney that I will never forget watching. Um, they had Jerry Seinfeld there and, of course, Mariah Carey, uh, the, the godmother of the ship. The, the couple things about the fantasy, because, of course, it, it was the, the sister ship. But I was so amazed to see a lot of those enhancements, like um, the way that they uh, fashioned uh, the tube with, of course, any bar that has handles is good with me, just saying. And, and of course, the little um, Peppy the King Prawn, his, his little cabin and voicemail, just, they took things to a whole nother level with the fantasy. And it was really uh, an incredible event and, and an incredible ship. We loved it so much. We're going on in 2013, November. Yeah. What is it? Second through the it's yeah. next second through the ninth. We're going on the Disney Fantasy. Yes, again. Lou. It's on November second. <laughs> and for more information, you can visit Mouse Fan Travel. Yada yada. All right, let's quickly go through the rest of March uh, again from a WW Radio perspective. We did something we had never done before uh, as part of uh, taking the meat to the month and doing other things as well. We had our WW Radio Day at the Ballpark. We went out to ESPN Wide World of Sports and watched some uh, Atlanta Braves versus New York Yankees spring training, which was a lot of fun. A couple of things as well, too, um, which it, it was somewhat minor, but it's still here and I think is incredibly cool, which was Monorail Red turned into the Avenger Rail. And love it or hate it, I thought the Toronto Rail was cool. I think the Avenger Rail is awesome. And I have no, like, I like it. Like, I like being able to be like, oh, there's the event. I mean, even almost a year later, we're still like, oh, how cool. There's the Avenger Rail, or I want to ride the Avenger Rail. I've proposed the Condor Man Rail for about, <laughs> for the last seven years. Uh, a couple other things, too. On March 6th, uh, there was actually a loss in the Disney community. 
Robert Sherman, brother of Richard Sherman, part of the uh, Sherman Brothers writing team, had passed away. Uh, something else that was interesting, and this was the first of, I think, two times that maybe he did it this year, was Bob Iger, uh, during a conference, had actually reconfirmed that Avatar Land, despite rumors to the contrary, was coming to Disney's Animal Kingdom in 2015. He has reaffirmed that time and again this year, and I think finally that rumor can hopefully go away that Avatar Land for whatever reason people thought was dead for for one reason or another um, he has vehemently said as well as Tom Staggs at Avatar Land that plane is in flight or maybe that dragon is in flight <laughs> and uh, and Avatar Land is coming but before we look forward in April we had a chance to look back and again it, it was a, a relatively minor event for everybody except those of us who are really hardcore nostalgic Disney enthusiasts because there was the return of the little orange bird, more importantly, the citrus swirl to Adventureland. <laughs> Susanna smiled and just did a little golf clap. And I said it was important because this is, I think, again, part of what we have been seeing and talking about this year. Disney is really, there's a renewed sense of nostalgia, not just in the fan community, but I think in the in Disney itself. We see them celebrating things, they're recognizing things, and they made an event out of this, right? Which would have normally been a very small blip on the average guest radar. They and D23 and the Disney archives, I mean, they've made a full-blown event out of this. And we who are fans, I think, really, really appreciate that. Right. It wasn't anything that you know no, nobody had to pay for. It was just a nice little event that brought all the fans together for this, just this old retro orange bird just to uh, show it at the in Adventureland it was just really cool everybody going getting together and seeing it and what Jason Grant did kind of leading up to it and, and Stephen Vagnini you know putting together that video that that retro video that they did it, it was just a really cool event right and it was born from those people inside the company right it was born from a Jason Grant and a Steve Vagnini from uh, Imagineering and the archives who we, I say all the time these guys are Disney fans first and foremost as well too they brought back a character that we as fans remember. They also brought on a character that now we're able to introduce or reintroduce to a whole new generation of people. Orange Bird right. merchandise flies off the shelf. The citrus swirl is back. But they, you know, again, they brought out Imagineers. They brought yeah. out archive archivists. They brought out merchandise. They re-recorded the little Orange Bird song. Right. They knew when they picked that out and they said, look, there's a lot of interest in it. That means this is something that we have talked about a lot. We talk about Orange Bird almost as much as I talk about Condor Man. So it's you know they hear that and then they say, "Look, this could be, this is a this is a, a, a an opportunity for us to do something." And once again, embracing that social media aspect of the Disney community. Definitely, and like you said, you know, with Jason Grant, and this was a perfect example of social media in a non-traditional way. It wasn't you know the Disney Parks blog or Thomas Smith or anything tweeting about this. It was Jason Grant showing us his doodles for an entire year before this happened. And then suddenly this announcement was made and we're like, oh, now it all makes sense. This was why we were watching this unfold before us and getting excited about it. And it was just, you know, a perfect mix of um, getting the Twitter fans and locals and, you know, people from far away that remembered the little orange bird excited to see him again. Right. It was not, it did not come from, the PR group. It, it was very organic, right? It was very natural. It came from the fans inside and outside the community as well, too, who were getting excited. And then when they said, all right, we are, when they really didn't sort of announce that the Orange Bird was coming back, we all sort of anticipated it. And those of us who were at that event 
they did a big reveal, and there was. It was something I, I think we really appreciated them making a big deal out of it. And it gave me an excuse to buy a sippy cup, which is <laughs> which is pretty cool. <laughs> You just said sippy cup. So, <laughs> and with your sippy cup, although I, you probably couldn't drink it in a sippy cup, they also announced in April that um, something new was coming both to Walt Disney World as well as Disney fans. I know some of you in the room and across the continent were very, very excited that Starbucks is coming to Walt Disney World. I think Susanna's more excited about Starbucks than she is the Orange Bird. Uh, the Seattle girl over here is going, yes. <laughs> that was a very exciting thing from my perspective because, of course, being from Seattle, Starbucks is on literally every street corner. A little bit of home. Yeah, I mean, as a coffee addict and a Starbucks fan myself, uh, I would walk in the parks and think, you know, on a perfect day, the only thing that's missing is a great cup of coffee from Starbucks or a latte or something like that. And I just think it's a perfect, perfect partnership. And I am super excited for it to be there. <laughs> I can't wait. As long as it doesn't melt Scott's sippy cup. Right. <laughs> well, and I think the thing too, and I think some of the concerns some people had was, well, does this mean now we're going to see the green awnings and baristas sort of littering uh, every park? And we saw what happened out in Disneyland at, at uh, Fiddler Fiber. It very much blends into the story and the theming. We see it on Buena Vista Street, how it looks there. It's coming to, obviously, a Main Street USA, at least the first one, in the Magic Kingdom. And we can expect, based on what we saw out in Disneyland, that it is going to not be intrusive. It's going to very much be a part of that story. Right. You wouldn't even know that it was a Starbucks just by looking at it. You'd have to go in and order to find out. Right. So moving on, um, again, throughout April, um, th we had the Summer to Remember uh, media event. There was a Social Media Moms event. Again, sort of illustrating a lot more that Disney is doing as far as not dipping their toe in anymore, really diving into uh, the social media space um, and working with and um, a lot of the different social media people, whether it's bloggers or podcasters, inviting them to be part of the experience. But in May, um, I, again, not talking specifically about Walt Disney World, but as an Avenger, Avengers fan and an Avenger Rail fan, this was one of the real big sort of impacts of the Marvel acquisition when the Avengers make $200 million and eventually over a billion dollars uh, after their opening weekend in May, we start to think about how else that is that Marvel acquisition is going to start bleeding its way into the parks. Wait, there was there was an Avengers movie. Yeah, oh. it um, it starred um, Whoopi Goldberg, okay. um, yeah. <laughs> Anthony Michael Thor. Hall, and and Thor. And Thor. And Thor. Thor. As long as, as long as Thor was there, I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> Go Avenger Rail. We saw the we saw the loss, and I again it, it's it's every, as as we gain something new, sometimes some changes have to happen. And Snow White, uh, that one of the original dark ride attractions, closed on May thirty first in the Magic Kingdom. But I think it's one of those things that when we see a new Fantasyland open, you're able to allow something like that to go away, even though many of us who are nostalgic sort of hate to see some of those classics. Right, even though you hate to see it go, it's amazing that there actually wasn't a big uh, to-do from the from the fans about it going away, and probably it's because of what's coming in the future with the with the mine uh, car ride, and so uh, you know, like kind of like what happened with the uh, Mr. Toad's 
Having you know, there was quite a to do <laughs> in that one. Away. There was no Snow White <laughs> Some in toad there. Right, there were toad right. But I think people are just excited about uh, what's what's coming to Fantasyland. So right, you're able to trade a Snow White for a Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Exactly. So in also in the Magic Kingdom, we had the addition of the Magic Memories and You Summer Edition. We had the Brave Highland Games coming to Epcot. Uh, Star Wars Weekends was back again over Disney's Hollywood Studios. They introduced a new experience there, uh, the Carbon Freeze Me. We could actually get yourself frozen like Han Solo in Carbonite. We uh, we did that the opening day, and we were really excited. I know, Glenn, we were there excited about that. It was not just sort of a photo booth kind of thing where you sat there and got your picture taking. They made it an experiential kind of uh, product. Right. They, they took what was basically an old defunct attraction and made a walk-in a walk-in area you walked in you felt like you were in there they had the noises and the sound effects something that they've been embracing and they're starting to show in all of their latest stuff seems to be a, a, to really putting detail um, that they knew would would will get our attention so something else that happened for the first time there... The Darth Vader cupcake? The Darth Vader... Oh, my God. The Darth Vader oh, cupcake. Oh, dude. <laughs> Actually, wait, Darth wait, Vader. What is, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> it was a Darth... I missed the, Darth Vader cupcake. Had, we had two lightsabers. <laughs> <laughs> you missed the Darth chocolate cupcake? It was oh, dark chocolate and peanut butter? Oh, yes. <laughs> Okay, that and a citrus swirl. I've got... Okay, that's... You've got I'm a lot so of things sad. to add on, uh, uh, add so on to sad. your list. Um for me, actually, speaking of Star Wars weekends, not only getting to meet and chat with Ashley Eckstein again, but I met I met Darth Vader. I met <laughs> David Prowse, which the, the the eight-year-old boy in me totally geeked out. And if you go back to whatever show that was in May, I actually have a, an interview with, with David Prowse about uh, Star Wars. But No, Lou, I am not your father. James Earl Jones is here. Um, <laughs> but I think something that was really significant was for the first time in park free Wi-Fi came to Epcot Center, right? It's now been rolled out at all of the theme parks. It's in all the resorts, you know, because it used to be the only place that you can get free Wi-Fi was if you stood outside of Wide World of Sports or a couple of different locations here and there. And I think for a lot of people, this was a bigger deal than maybe we might think who are here all the time because people who are now overseas are able to send pictures. They're able to update Facebook. They're able to do whatever... And now that it's it's around uh, all the parks, again, I think it goes back to Disney's acknowledgement of they want us to be able to share the experience that we're having with other people. And I think it also may hint to other experiences that may be coming from Disney in the future that could potentially need or use that Wi-Fi service. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I got to admit, I already take it for granted. You know, it's already taken for granted that, that I'm going to be able to connect and download a movie if I needed to while I'm sitting there in a queue. <laughs> I'm not going to do that because it'll take forever, but but the, the whole idea that we, it's now available because many of the attractions are going to probably start to be more interactive in that way, interacting to that 15-year-old who will not stop looking at their phone the entire vacation. Well, I think, too, I mean, Zana, look, we all, you know, we tweet a lot, we Instagram, we Facebook, we do all, we, we Pinterest we do all these different social things, and I think that Disney understands that there's a much more powerful message that's conveyed when we talk about our experiences to our friends and to our family as opposed to them maybe airing a TV commercial. So they understand the value of us being able to share our personal experiences 
not when we go home and go to the photo mat and develop our pictures. They still have photo mats, don't they? Um, um. But instantaneously, I just showed my age. I'm sorry. I'm but, <laughs> but right, it, it's that instantaneous sharing of the experience. Not na 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 na. Look where I am. It's I wish you were here. You guys need to come. And I think it. I think that is extremely powerful. I think it works. Yeah, and you know, just on Instagram alone, I'll take a picture of something and get comments from people that aren't locals and you know maybe don't go to Disney World or Disneyland all the time um, and are just like oh what is that is that can you do that at the parks or you know whatever it can be and comments on Facebook and Twitter as well so it really is like it's not as if we're purposely advertising Disney all the time we're just sharing what anyone can do in the parks and it really does get the message out to people that might otherwise not you know, be paying attention to Disney's ad campaigns. Right. And and like you said, you are already taking it for granted. You know, our children's children that go, wait, you used to have to log into Wi-Fi? There just wasn't internet everywhere? That's, you know, that's like us talking about the photo mat or me talking <laughs> about the photo mat. Um, but moving into June, again, I want to sort of bounce over to the West Coast because even though it did not directly tie into Walt Disney World, the grand reopening of Disney California Adventure Cars Land and Buena Vista Street. Uh, I know Becky and I, we had an opportunity to go out there, um, thanks to Disney, to see the premiere of something that for me personally, I, I've said it probably ad nauseum, has made Disneyland a destination for me. It's not something that, oh, I hope to do every year or so, but I want to go every year. And I may be the one of the few that doesn't want to see Cars Land come to Walt Disney World because I want that to continue to be a reason for me to go out to Disneyland. I, I've said it before. I will say it again. Fantasyland is up there with it, but I think that Cars Land is the most beautiful thing that Imagineering has done ever. I so second that. It it really is amazing, and I, I will agree with you on the fact that I hope we don't see it anywhere else only because it fits so beautifully in the California area and uh, on the Route 66, and, and it just fits. The story is beautifully laid out for Disneyland. But what was amazing to me is I was thrilled to finally find another song and uh, – you couldn't have told me that I would have Tomater as part of my ringtone at this point, but it's or that a song would overtake "It's a Small World" in my head, um, but but it did. Um, the other right. thing too that I really enjoyed, not only of course Buena Vista Street and, and Cars Land, but the technology that came along with it. I mean, the first time that I rode Radio Springs Racers, it was one of the first times that that my my mouth just fell open in awe because we hadn't seen technology like that for so long. Um, it, it was incredibly amazing. That and then, of course, just the little things, like even the glow with the show ears that, that I had never seen before. Uh, a lot of things came out of that um, that opening, and, and Cars Land is one of the best things to come out of Imagineering in a while. When you said technology, uh, the first thing I thought of was glow with the show because as much as I think Radio Springs Racers may be the best attraction anywhere – I sat agape and silence, which for me, yep. as you know, is a stretch when the glow with the show ears came out. And that may be a technology that I hope comes. I hope that comes to Walt Disney World. And I think we'll see that that technology being used around the parks. But I, I want Cars Land, like I said, to say that. But what I also love, too, and Scott, I know you're with me, was the nod to nostalgia, the, the nod to Walt Disney's 
you know, 1940s Los Angeles. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the whole that that street, you know, the Buena Vista Street is it's just amazing and very well themed to that that time of Walt's life, and and really with the opening of that and and Cars Land, basically the whole finish of that of that park, it really does change the way that you know I'm a Disneyland guy, you know, first and foremost, and and it changes the way that I visit that place. I used to always go to Disneyland for the most part and maybe visit the California Adventure for a little bit, but it actually now I'm spending, you know, more than one day there and certainly nighttime with with the way that the Radiator Springs Racers is all lit up at night and with the neon lights all on on that street, it's it it really just changes. You just the like way. Alice from the Man yeah. Tea Party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. But yeah, okay, well, it that was, completely well, changed that the really way I vacation. Was towards my eighties um, need for music. That was very cool. But I, I totally agree with you, Scott. I now tell clients and, and people who've never been there before, don't go to California Adventure the first time. It has to be at night. Don't go in the day. Spend your day over at Disneyland and then go over and, and for the first time you experience Cars Land to do it at night because it's just it's stunning. Food in a cone just tastes oh. better. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, here in Walt Disney World, we got our first taste of what was eventually going to be part of New Fantasyland. A storybook circus opened. You talk about, Becky, a place that needs to be enjoyed and experienced at night. The Dumbos and the water and the colors and the sounds and the kinetic element that, that that motion in the water brings. Storybook Circus is beautiful. And again, we talk about that that history, sort of that 1940s circus coming to town, the nods to Walt. Over in Epcot, we get the uh, soft opening of Agent P's World Showcase Adventure. Glenn, I know you were always a fan of the Kim Possible. It's like a sorcerer's experience. Again, another sort of layer of the onion, something else to do other than attractions, especially in some place like World Showcase. Right. Another thing to take people and have them look at something, have them take notice of something that otherwise might not. When you when you're staring at the uh, an interactive thing that forces you to notice these details that so many people don't see. You know, you know, usually details are just things they pass by on their way to use their fast pass to Soren. So being able to have all these these sort of things um, in place is awesome. So something else that took place here, going back to the the Disney events, was D23 had their first of many that they were going to have around the country, anniversaries uh, Over at the Premier Theater at Disney's Hollywood Studios, they showcased not just the history of Walt Disney World, but 75 years of Disney animation. And this is another one of those things that we're talking about. Disney, whether it's via the tweet-ups, D23, wherever it comes from, having more events that we as Disney fans could participate in. Uh, from a personal perspective, um, we sort of went on the road. I was actually speaking uh, in New York City. I said, wouldn't it be cool if we got together and had a couple of people meet up in New York City, thinking maybe five or ten would show up, assuming my mom came, which she didn't. We had 220 <laughs> people there. Um, we had a great time. Went over to the Disney store. Uh, the, the people, that the cast members of the Disney store are awesome. It goes to show that, like the anniversary events, it doesn't matter where you go. It's not about being in this physical place of Walt Disney World, it's about like-minded Disney fans being able to get together uh, elsewhere. That's part of the reason why we're going to sort of take WW Radio on the road in 2013, but we'll get to that in the future. Again, personal perspective, total geek out moment relating to the show. Uh, I waited almost 30 years to interview somebody who was uh, such an instrumental part of my childhood 
and geeky adulthood, Cindy Morgan from Tron and Caddyshack. <laughs> it wow. probably came through. Oh, quite. Really? It probably came through that I was totally nerding out like a 14-year-old boy. <laughs> no, not a bit. Not, not a bit. No, I would have been there with you with the Cindy Morgan. <laughs> I'm not sure if I enjoyed talking to Darth Vader or Laurie from Tron more. <laughs> um, in July, uh, Disney launched um, a new app for the iPhone, the iPad, and the Android known as My Disney Experience. Um, they also had the Disneyland Explorer app, I believe, launched sometime over the summer as well, too couple of great apps. Disneyland Explorer is more of a fun, interactive app, but I think what my Disney experience is is sort of that version 1.0 of what I think is going to be not just an app which is going to be about maps and wait times and dining reservations, but really helping to put a more enhanced experience in your hand. So when those kids are in line, Glenn, you're not going to be downloading movies on Netflix. You're going to be looking at something on your smartphone, which we and all of our kids now seem to have in our hands, which is going to not sort of give you something to waste time, but it's going to be part of the queue, the queueless queue experience. Sure. Well, I mean, as especially as they're adding all these interactive queues, some of them don't have that in right now, and they could easily take advantage of this technology to ask trivia about uh, the attraction you're on, or Fantasyland, or uh, Frontierland, or something. Awesome. So in August, um, again, a, a fan-created uh, event that I've been going to, I guess Becky's been for the past four years now, five years, Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet? Five years. Five um, years. This year's going to be fifth, yeah. All right. So yeah, this year is going to be fifth. I don't know how Don Moore is going to do it because this past year he was able to snag not just Paige O'Hara, the voice of Belle, but Disney legend Marty Sklar, future Disney legend Tony Baxter, uh, all of whom I, I had the privilege of getting to meet and interview for the show. Listen, when Bell sang happy birthday to me, that may have been better than Cindy Morgan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's what this whole month was filled with was great events that were sort of fan and community generated like Pacific Northwest and Destination D out in Disneyland where they celebrated 75 years of Disney animated features. They go all the way back to Snow White. They go all the way forward to Frozen and Wreck-It Ralph. They celebrate the Disney parks. Dick Van Dyke performs a concert. But for those of us who were there, I have two words for you, and they are Alan Menken concert. It's three, but you get the gist. Oh, my gosh. That was amazing. I completely agree with you there, especially it was worth waiting. I think a couple of us held the place in line for a few hours because it was the hottest ticket for uh, for the D23 experience and that was mind blowing it uh, the artistry of that man and the creativity of him and to hear him tell the personal stories behind his journey it was amazing he made you feel as though you were sitting in his living room listening yep. to him play the piano yeah it was an absolutely amazing experience and destination D in general is just like summer camp for disney nerds basically it was <laughs> so much fun just you know, you learn so much and you don't have to be a Disney historian to appreciate what they're presenting to you. You can be, you know, there were so many little kids there um, experiencing it as well. So you can just be starting out with your Disney knowledge or you can be like Lou Mangiello and know everything <laughs> and, oh. and all of you guys. <laughs> but yeah, it's just so great to have those experiences um, presented to you. And of course, Alan Menken, 
was just, you know, the icing on the cake. Well, it also, like you said, it becomes one of those events where we know we're going to be seeing old friends from home Mm -hmm. here or wherever we are getting together again, right? Whether it's people that we know from online, from Twitter, from Facebook, we had sort of a, a mini Adventures by Disney reunion for those of us who went on the Adventures by Disney a year ago. Zana, you had a meet. Other people had meets. And it was one of those things where if you, even if you went alone, right? Even, even if you're the only guy or girl in your, in your family that's a Disney fan, you can go out to an event like Destination D and know you're going to be surrounded by existing or future friends because you're all sort of there for the same reason. And everybody is. It's a very sort of welcoming casual kind of environment there yeah just another example of being able to go to the park and every every time you turn a corner there's another friend there just another aspect of that so speaking of events we'll move into um september we had our first or inaugural wdw radio e-ticket event we had our evening at the american adventurers club sort of kicking off food and wine festival epcot's 30th anniversary uh we were able to sort of bring that adventurers club type experience to the American Adventure Pavilion. We had rented out the entire pavilion. And Becky, you know, like that was one of the things that we were super excited about as nostalgics who missed the adventurers club. We look to do sort of cool, unique experiences like that. But I think the cast members who were performing were enjoying it as much as the guests who were, who were in the rotunda. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Go ahead. Becky. Yeah. I, I you you couldn't have put that better. They were so excited about bringing those characters or the the spirit of the American Venture um, back into the Peshaw Club, and I, I think that the uh, the smiles on their faces when they were doing their dress rehearsals and getting ready for the performance, they were like kids in a candy store, and it was so neat to see from from that perspective. Yeah, another another aspect of that were all those people who had only heard the legend of the Adventures Club that only heard how much fun it was, never got to experience it, whether they weren't involved at Disney at the time or weren't even old enough to go into it. Now they're able to come and attend this and really get a a flavor of what the Adventures Club was and totally understand. Yeah. A couple of things that that happened in September, to get it, it seems like it's so far away. Uh, Disney's Art of Animation Resort was complete. All four phases of that new, very exciting resort, which I think... We, especially if you have kids, it, it affords you not just additional space with the family suites, but the big blue pool. I think the car section is awesome. Um, I think it's so much of a better idea than the class, the legendary years. You know, oh, I'm in the 1920s building. Well, I think it's cool to say that I'm in the car section. Um, that's sort of our little taste of Cars Land out here. But I know we, like, my kids love art of animation. Forget the kids. I love the Art of Animation food court where a lot of the stuff is, is very much sort of made to order. You can sort of customize your own food. Uh, again, I think really, really well done from a local perspective. It gives us sort of a place to go to on, a, on a little mini staycation. I think from a travel perspective, you've got sort of that real deep immersion in great Disney animated film storytelling. Yes, it's really one of my favorite new resorts. I think it's done so well and it really takes, you know, the value uh, experience to the next level. And you don't feel like you're in, you know, a value resort because of the extra things that are going on in there. And like you said, the food court, I've gone over there for dinner from my house before, just because there's so many amazing choices. Um, And the cars section is my absolute favorite. The theming there is just unbelievable. And you don't feel like you're, 
you know, in the lowest possible section of a Disney resort, you feel like you're in the best section because there's just detail at every turn. Um, I think it's a great addition. And like you said, my kids love it as well. So something else that happened in September, uh, again, it, it seems like it was uh, ages ago. And I think that we can all admit that none of us saw this coming because there was no ceremony. There was no big announcement. It happened very sort of organically with some tweets and posts and things like that when the announcement comes that alcohol is going to be served in the Magic Kingdom for the first time in its 40-year history. I, I think I had uh, I, I did an interview or something like that, and all I remember was somebody sort of tweeting out, the Mayans were right, the apocalypse is coming, they're serving alcohol <laughs> in the Magic Kingdom. I, I don't think it ended up being as bad as some people predicted. I said from the beginning... I thought it was a good idea. More importantly, it was in a response to what guests indicated that they would have liked. And I think some of that concern that there was going to be drunkards falling all over themselves in Fantasyland, now that it's been open for a while, we see, is not going to be the case because the Disney did it right. It's, it's alcohol confined to that restaurant. It's wine and beer being served in sort of an upscale French restaurant type environment. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I haven't seen any, anything. Time I've been over there, I haven't seen any big shenanigans. You don't have a guy going, hey, that mermaid took my seashells. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> Wait, you didn't see that? <laughs> yeah, but that person wasn't drunk. That was... That was just Scott. That, that was just Scott just... complaining. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, again, it was one of those things that we were surprised, but I think is actually uh, in the long run going to be a very welcome addition to the Magic Kingdom. Let's move into October because October, normally the big event for us, the thing that I circle on my calendar, making it the most wonderful time of the year, is the opening of the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. So in response, I think, again, to guest requests and the, the changing of uh, uh, what guests are looking for, there was a new uh, vegan kiosk there. There was a Florida kiosk there. Uh, Glenn, I know one of the things that we really enjoy going over to, I think it's a hidden gem over at Walt Disney World, is the Swan and Dolphin Food and Wine Classic. Right, right. That takes place during that time uh, over a weekend as well, too. But really, you know, when you think about uh, October in 2012, it was all about Epcot's 30th anniversary. People were talking about it before the Magic Kingdom's 40th anniversary even started. What were they going to do for Epcot's 30th? And again, I think that Disney really delivered in doing things for the, and I and I use this term affectionately, the sort of hardcore Disney fans with the D23 events and sort of also making sure they acknowledged it and paid homage to that sense of nostalgia that we're going through to every guest that walked in the door. Right. They put it into two separate days and there was almost a different feeling for it. One that was designed for the geek and one that was designed for the more casual visitor. Right. Yeah, it was basically almost like a miniature Destination D with just a bunch of uh, seminars and things like that, all about the history of Epcot, which, you know, if you remember all about the the history of Epcot, it was just a lot of really cool stuff, you know, the origins of Horizons and, and all of those things. So, very cool. I think, I think calling it sort of a mini Destination D really sort of embodies what that feel was for it. So, there was not only th something that was being put on officially by Disney, but there was a lot of just people who knew each other from online wanting to be there, sort of that sense of wanting to be there for Epcot's 30th, no matter what Disney was going to do. 
Right. And I was really concerned that they were just going to um, throw out a few of the, you know, old concept art things and, and some Disney uh, Epcot history that those of us that grew up going to Epcot Center would be like, okay, we've seen this before. But the things that they showed us were just unbelievable. The concept art things, the, you know, original Dreamfinder, uh, little videos that they had and things like that. It really was like a gift to those of us that grew up with it. And, you know, I was crying like a baby um, during some of those seminars. And it was just a really, really great experience. I agree. And, you know, as part of one of those communities that wanted to do something around that time too, around our um, uh, annual annual sort of e-ticket event, we once again had an online auction for the Dream Team Project to benefit Make-A-Wish Foundation. Again, big thanks uh, and credit has to go to Christy Visaki and everybody who donated merchandise and goods and experiences and who took part in the auction. Again, we raised more than $8,000 in just a day for the Make-A-Wish. That's going to sponsor more than one wish uh, for a family to come down. So it's it's great when a lot of good comes out of those um, uh, events as well. But certainly, and I posted this question a couple of times over the, the past few days on uh, Twitter and Facebook. When you look back at 2012, what was sort of the big, most important, uh, most memorable event? And it was pretty much split almost down the middle. New Fantasyland was very high on the list, but I think uh, the... Disney acquisition of of Glenn's breathing apparatus. <laughs> was uh, you know, look, nobody saw Marvel. Oh. Nobody saw I don't know. Wow. Are you having a seizure over there or is that what your Wookiee impression? <laughs> I have a bad feeling about this. Um yeah. We never saw the Marvel acquisition coming. We never saw the Avatar announcement coming. No one on the planet, this or otherwise, had any idea that Disney was going to acquire not just Star Wars, but Lucasfilm, ILM, Indiana Jones for $4 billion plus dollars. Howard the Duck. <laughs> the Howard the Duck Land is coming to, to Disney's Hollywood Studios. Um, but, you know, think about it. We talked about this, obviously, at length, about how it's going to impact the parks, the, the new Star Wars movies, uh, you know, the Indiana Jones franchise, what the ILM technology is going to be, and what Kathleen Kennedy, uh, working now closely with Disney, is, is going to be for... look. Look around my room. I'm a Star Wars fan and I'm a Disney fan. I've said this before. Disney has now sort of embraced. You talk about a gift. They've given this, you know, 44-year-old guy the gift of now it's Disney, Muppets, Marvel, and Star Wars. Like all the things I grew up with. If you buy McGill a gorilla, I'm telling you that's the only thing I, that chance that I need left. But it is. you. Disney now has, and I mean, when I say it owns my childhood, like I mean that in the best possible sense. Lou, can you think about just... Just to think of how big this is, based on the fact that as soon as it was announced, everybody, even casual fans of Star Wars that are Disney fans, all started imagineering in their head. They all started coming out with what they should do. They should do this. They should do that. They should do that. That was a gift for everybody that we didn't even count on or they weren't even aware of. But everybody was talking about it. Yeah, and that's one of those things that we haven't even seen a trickle yet. Just like Marvel, too. We haven't even seen a trickle yet of what that relationship is going to mean. It'll be curious to see Star Wars uh, weekends. It might just be coming. just blue milk. They might just, just be milk. selling blue milk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
what I think it does from an overall business perspective, though, is I think this has really sort of solidified Bob Iger's legacy in terms of his impact on the Disney company, in terms of growth and expansion and acquisition of these other brands and franchises and bringing them into the Disney family. Yeah, and you say things like uh, how they've been putting detail into so many things and these interactive cues and interactivity that's being uh, hinted at. What is it going to mean in that Star Wars universe? Right. Right. So in November, uh, we had the opening of Wreck-It Ralph, which a lot of us saw on the WWE. Got a wreck it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, again, it's, it was one of those things <laughs> where that was the worst Wreck-It Ralph impression ever. <laughs> your Wookiee impression or your Ewok impression was actually much better. Um, you know, another great step forward for Disney films that was brought into the parks. It, it very much, for those of us who all sort of we're all kind of in the same general age range it sort of touched that sense of nostalgia we remember those video games and those characters and and going to arcades and spending countless amounts of quarters uh, i mentioned the fact that many of us saw it for the first time on the wdw radio cruise sort of 2.0 on the disney dream all of you i think were there um <laughs> it was you know i thought the first cruise was sort of that perfect storm it could never happen again where we're 500 quote-unquote strangers, but all part of this extended family could get together and have such a good time on the ship. Uh, it happened again. We were blessed to have uh, such a special guest in Richard Sherman who performed uh, such a memorable concert for us. Um, you know, that for me, yes, there was uh, Fantasyland and Be Our Guest, but when I think about 2012, like the cruise and the fun that we had on that is really the thing that I'm going to take away as far as personal memory goes. Oh, totally a phenomenal experience. And and actually, Be Becky gets a lot of credit for her and her group um, for putting that together, making it so easy for people who hadn't been on it before to be able to go on that uh, experience. Thanks, Glenn. It, that really was one of the biggest memories I'm going to walk away with as well, um, being able to share that with so many people and being able to to meet a personal hero of mine and spend so much time uh, with everybody from the WDW radio family uh, it, it was uh, it was really a memory that I I don't know how we're going to top it we're going to do it again we're going to do it again on the fantasy <laughs> next year um, also in November uh, the B again it has to come back to food Be Our Guest restaurant opened uh, officially in the middle of November but December 6th really marked the grand opening of New Fantasyland. This is what we have been waiting for since we first heard the announcement back at the D23 Expo coming up on almost three years ago. Um, and now we have a Fantasyland that, that is doubled in size. Obviously, we've talked a lot about this uh, over the past uh, couple of weeks uh, after being part of the opening event and being back and forth a number of times. Um, we talk about sort of immersion into the true storytelling experience. I think about New Fantasyland, believe it or not, the first thing that comes to my mind is not the castle and the landscape and the waterfall. It was a dragon. Oh, it was the yeah. dragon that flew over <laughs> Fantasyland. I uh, I was thinking pork shank, but but <laughs> but yeah, the dragon was pretty cool. Come a good second. <laughs> 
Um, it also was the opening of Test Track, Pirates of the Caribbean, Legend to Captain Jack Sparrow. Uh, a new restaurant opened in uh, in the second floor of the France Pavilion, Marshall Paul. The Census Spa opened at the Grand Floridian. Splitsville opened. Like, as much as we love the Pork Shank and Be Our Guest and Journey Under the Sea, Splitsville in downtown Disney, I think, is going to be the first step in a great direction for a, a, a shopping and dining and entertainment area that I think has sort of been looking for its identity. Mm-hmm. I think Splitsville is really going to serve to help identify. We all have been, we all have loved it. I stink at bowling, but I rock at Seriously. pounding the menu. Bowling and Walt Disney World. Why did it take so long? <laughs> it, it's amazing. <laughs> we had so much fun. Yeah, I think uh, whether it's uh, it becomes a, a local hangout, it's something else to do in the evenings, it's for families, it's for adults, they have a great sort of mix in there of, you know, bowling, we said bowling is secondary or tertiary to the experience that's in there. You know, it's it's about being with friends, it's about having good food, there's dancing, there's billiards, whatever you want to make of it. Right, there's music, and, the, and it's a great environment, The it's it, it's certainly not your average bowling alley with, with uh, 26 lanes along one wall. The lanes are all scattered around this building on both floors, and there's games everywhere, and the environment is really, uh, it really makes you want to walk around and take things in. So, I, I sense a lot of practice in my future in a bowling alley. <laughs> I sense yes. a lot of gutter balls in your future, but... Wow, yeah. <laughs> Without the practice, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we it's been almost an hour of going through... There was a lot that happened in 2012, right? But if you were to sort of look back and think about it, you know, maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's not Lucas. Maybe it's not New Fantasyland. What for you was sort of the most impactful thing that happened in 2012 well i'd say to me it was probably the completion of of uh, disneyland with the completion of california adventure and and the full uh, park going experience out there and cars land oh my gosh that is (laughs) that's my favorite for me i think sort of related to what scott was saying and i've been alluding to it all evening i think it's how the Imagineers are relating to us as fans now, how they're, how they see it so important to relate to us through how they make the parks. When you walk into new fantasy land now and you look at the details and the storytelling that's all around you, you can't help but think that, and I said this before, you kind of felt like I, I got goosebumps. I thought it was kind of like they were giving me a little hug, you know? <laughs> so and you, I'm sure that's the exact same feeling you get at Cars Land uh, as they as he put another interactive cue into Thunder Mountain. That's the sort of stuff that it's it is sort of a way to make your life more enjoyable while you're waiting in line and your whole experience. Right, I actually want to change my answer to what to what he said. <laughs> Susanna, what about well, you? Now you both stole my answer because that's what I actually had notes for tonight, and that was one of the things I said was that one of the more memorable moments of 2012 was the people at Disney. That um, you know we've been talking about gifts that Disney has given us, um, not monetary gifts, but you know experiences. And that is definitely one of them. The, the fact that we can interact with people on Twitter and, and in the parks even and, um, and get some background on what they're working on. It's, it's 
unheard of before, you know, these past couple of years. And in addition to that, um, the things that Glenn said about, you know, the details and, and the story and everything like that, I think merchandise was a big story for 2012. And um, the feedback from guests and what they're looking for was definitely seen in the merchandise choices that, you know, we'd see t-shirts that everyone would be like, Oh my gosh, look at this cool new t-shirt. And, you know, they're getting outside people that were in the fan community that are designing t-shirts now. And, you know, it can only grow from there. And they really are paying attention to what the fans want and the level of interaction between, you know, some departments and teams in the company and the fans is just growing more and more. So I think that's really important. Becky, what about you? You know, I'm going to, you look over the entire year and I agree with everything that you guys have said, but I think for me, it goes back to that technology piece again. Um, The RFID chips, the, the glow in the show ears, the, the pieces that are coming together that we're seeing through the queues and through uh, Radiator Springs Racers and some of the other things that we've experienced with Cars Land and, and the investment that was done to bring Disneyland up to speed. The things that they're doing to enhance the story and enhance the experiences, I think t- uh, 2012 just was the top layer of what we're going to be seeing in the next few years coming at us. I, I think that um, we're, we're just kind of seeing the the top layer of what they're experimenting with technology. And it's not that they're going to replace everything in Disney that we know and love. I just see that there's a lot of enhancements that are coming that will make the experience so much more rich. Yeah, and I, um, I'm on board with everything that you guys uh, talk about. And, and, I, and I started looking back on 2012. I was thinking about it almost from a more personal experience, not necessarily in terms of the show, but I think all those things helped for me. The, the most important part was I don't like to use the word French relationships. I like to use the word friendships and all those things have helped sort of create more community, more senses of friendships as we come together. You know, you, you can enjoy the parks by yourself. That's great, but there's nothing better than enjoying it and making new friends and knowing that you are, are meeting and getting to know like-minded people, the people who are my best friends, and, and I consider you all part of my extended family, I've met because of this, because of this place, uh, and for that, I, I'm very, very grateful. Um, and the, the pork shank. Pork shank. And the pork shank. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, I, can I just really add, though, that it's more for the ability for them to turn off all of those glowy things, like in the Haunted Mansion? <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's it's the there's all kinds of benefits to these things, right? So as you <laughs> as, as you uh, as we get yep, out of I'm 2012, ready. right, and you start thinking about some of those things that you were excited about seeing, as you look towards 2013, what is it that you're looking forward to most, right? We're, we've already started to hear about this idea of limited time magic, which is really going to begin on New Year's Eve, this idea of each week or maybe every couple of days, your experience may change in terms of celebrating different times of year. It could be pirates, it could be villains, it could be July 4th, it could be Valentine's Day, the Dapper Dans or the Golden Horseshoe Review. Um, but what is it that you think that you know is is sort of on the radar that you're really looking forward to most in 2013? I know this is geeky, but for me it's going to be opening day of Star Wars weekends. Just 
seeing not that not that anything has to be different just going into the park with a feeling of ownership <laughs> you know i have an annual pass i have ownership in in star wars at this point but so. as a star wars fan don't you feel differently now like playing with your star wars to, uh your collectibles don't you feel different because now it's like well it's okay because it's disney yeah, I I didn't have a problem before that. So, <laughs> yeah, for me, it's probably uh, the integration of of the next gen and what's going to be coming with that. Uh, just just to see how they're going to integrate all this new technology into the attractions, into ticketing, into fast passes, basically, you know, even ordering food, you know, everything. Uh-huh. Every aspect of our park-going experience <laughs> will be changed by the by this next gen, and I guess that's going to be an ongoing thing that'll take more than next year. But uh, I think a lot of it is going to start coming out in 2013, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Zana, yeah, what you guys said. <laughs> um, so insightful. <laughs> I. I haven't really been paying attention to what's coming in 2013. I'm like enjoying what this past year brought. Like um, the pork shank. Not so much the pork shank for me, but actually. <gasps> Who invited her? <laughs> Ew, it's just a giant. Vegetarian. Oh, that's right. I forgot. You don't partake of the meat. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> but actually, I was probably going to say what Scott said, just, you know, the interactivity and the next gen stuff is really exciting to see where that's going to go. And to have seen, I think it was really exciting to have seen um, things like Storybook Circus unfold in pieces. Like we saw Dumbo open and the interactive queue. And then, you know, just last month, they finally finished the whole thing, or maybe a couple months ago now, with the sign out front and, you know, the Pete's Silly Sideshow. I always say that wrong. (laughs) Storybook treats. (laughs) Yes, all of that. I think it's great to be able to see that stuff. (laughs) Um, As it's, you know, they're they're letting us see it as it unfolds. And it's it's really exciting. So I'm just excited to see where everything goes. What about you, Mankin? I think for 2013, there's, there's two things. I am really looking forward to Expo. Mm-hmm. I am really looking forward to my feet screaming at me for four or five days straight. But that is always such a fantastic experience. So looking forward to that. But the other thing is about the five to ten things that you and I have on our bullet point list that we have not announced to anybody. Yet. You should go over those Yet. Right now, guys. We, maybe we which will. You, we can't. Maybe, which, maybe, well, listen, let's just mute Becky Mankin. And so I want to just quickly, before <laughs> we talk like about Glenn, the... Glenn guess. Let <laughs> Glenn just start guessing. Um, I, I agree with you. Scott, about next gen, I think that we are just going to start to scratch the surface of what it's going to be. I think we're going to see more, not just interactive experiences, but experiences that are much more personalized to us. And to that point, and and Susanna, what we were talking about earlier, as far as the use of social networks and how Disney is going to not project messages to the guests, but engage the guests, right? I think they're continuing to do a great job of humanizing their brands. They're, they're making the interactions much more social, more importantly, much more personal, right? Whether it's a, a meetup with the people who tweet over at California Adventure or getting a response directly to you on Twitter or Facebook from whoever is tweeting from, from Disney. Um, 
the way that they are engaging us in so many different ways, whether it's an in-person event like a tweet up at Splitsville or a, a simple thing that they do over on Twitter. Uh, and I think that things like the mobile apps and other stuff that they're doing um, are, are really going to serve as gateways to other experiences and enhancements for us as we go through the parks. Becky, I will touch on a little bit because I am very excited about what we are going to be doing collectively as WW Radio sort of going on the road. This year we're coming up, is it four years of Meet to the Month? Yeah. This January. It's going to be our fourth year of doing our Meet to the Month in Walt Disney World. Um, after, you know, going to New York and some other places around the country, um, we we had the idea of, um, as long as I'm going to be traveling a lot, I've been, I'm going to be doing some speaking and other stuff, we might as well sort of take the show on the ra- road. So we're going out to Las Vegas. We're going to be going to the Lost Walt Disney Tour. Family Museum. We're going to have another uh, event in New York City. We're going to go out to Aulani this summer. And we're going to announce the dates next week. Yeah. Next week. <laughs> I always get Becky a little nervous when I, I do that. Always. But we will have the dates next week. We're going to be on the Fantasy November 2nd through the 9th. Uh, we have other events that haven't been announced as yet. You can visit the events page over at WDW Radio. Uh, we also have something else, a sort of added layer to the events experience, which Becky doesn't even know about, which makes it even more exciting for me personally. Um, but I, I do want to say, um, you know, from a, a personal level that uh, I, I had such an amazing 2012. I am very excited for 2013. Um, and you know, as I look back and you may say, you may think that I look at Disney through rose colored glasses and that it's, it, it's true because I am a Disney fan first and foremost. And that those, that tint is tainted by none other than the fact that I am a seven year old Disney fan trapped in a 40, 44 year old body. If you don't believe me, go back 49. to my first 40, what? How old am I? 49. I'm 40, I'm 40 with four years experience. Uh, <laughs> If you don't believe me, go back to my first show in 2005. My show has not changed in seven years. If you don't believe me, go back to 2003 when I wrote my first book. If you don't believe me still, go back to the photos of me with my parents in November 1971. I unapologetically love this place and love what it means to me and my family and you guys, my friends. Um, I just enjoy talking about the things that make me happy about Walt Disney World. Um... Yeah, Lou, I know exactly what you mean. It's exactly why I'm into this as well. It's been there for me as I grew up. And it's, uh, you know, I love being able to walk into my city park, you know, where I can go around, I can sit down on a bench, not go on attractions, just sit there all day, read a book, just check out, you know, and just enjoy the day. Yeah, a, a lot like both what you just said, Glenn and, and Lou. Disney has given us so much opportunity to to relive our childhood, to share that with other people, our friends, our family, our our children, and in, in my case, my parents that never really understood the whole Disney love thing. But, you know, it, it gives it that opportunity to walk in, sit down, enjoy, block out the troubles in the real world that's going on, and just kind of soak it in and have um, a great experience and experience a little magic. I'm with you. Like I said, you know, Disney continues to be that escape for us from reality. And, you know, I I lead a a positive life. I surround myself with positive people. I like to look at the positive side of things. And 
Disney and going to Disney and being in that place that I still find special and yeah, call it corny, but maybe a little bit of magical, um, you know, continues to make it um, very, very special to me as you guys are special to me as well. That's the worst segue ever, but I needed to find a way to sort of wrap all this up, but it's true. Um, you know, Susanna, Becky, Scott, Glenn, and everybody who's listening, uh, I do love you guys. You are part of my family and you are what has made my Disney experience so wonderful for me. You let me share my passion for Disney with you uh, and you make my Disney experience um, something that is such an important part of my life. So I want to thank all you guys for doing that, for all your friendship and support this year. I am so looking forward to creating even more memories in 2013 and hopefully recording our 2013 recap show not at one o'clock in the morning but (laughs) (laughs) becky mankin from mouse fan travel uh, thank you so much not just for your sponsorship and your partnership but for your friendship and uh, and all the great times we had this year and still a lot to to come that's for sure and by the way you owe me a citrus swirl i do owe you a citrus swirl and i promise i will give it to you on a garbage can exactly where we enjoy Uh, most of our meals pretty much how i expect it Susanna from Xanaland.com. Thank you as well. Thank you so much. It's been a wonderful year. Thank you all for your friendship, and I look forward to 2013. Glenn Whalen from Pretty Good Movie Ride. Googling, G-O-O-G-L-I-N, WW Radio. Uh, Thanks for your friendship. Thanks for, I'm only, I can only imagine what's next on the Glenn Whalen website (laughs) hit parade. Well, thank you, Lou, and I hope it's going to be a ride on the Condor Rail. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Everyone keep our fingers crossed. And, Scott, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. Yeah, well, I don't have anything either. It really has been a great year, and can't wait for the next one with, with all you friends. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. All right, so, guys, thanks so much for an amazing 2012. Looking forward to 2013. See you. That's going to do it for this week's show and our final episode in 2012. Thank you again for taking the time to listen this and every week for the past 52 weeks. As you noticed, there was no Walt Disney World trivia question of the week this week because of the holiday. Go back to show number 306. You have two weeks to answer last week's trivia question, which was simply this. Where was the candlelight processional performed at Walt Disney World before moving to its current home in Epcot? You have until Sunday, January 6th, to send your answer to contest at www.radio.com for a chance to win a Disney prize package. I just want to quickly invite you to visit the website over at wdwradio.com. There you can comment on this week's show. Let us know what you think was the biggest, most important story of 2012. You can also check out our blog, videos, free discussion forums, and sign up for our free email newsletter where you can get exclusive content, offers, opportunities, and more. In addition to the podcast, I want you to be part of the show, so tune in every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for our live video broadcast 
an interactive chat. We talk about this week's Walt Disney World news and give you a chance to be part of the conversation, ask and answer questions. Again, that's Wednesday nights, 7.30 p.m. Eastern over at www.radiolive.com. You can also email me at lou at www.radio.com if you have a question that you want answered on the show or call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-931 with a question, a comment, or just saying hello from the parks. You can connect with me over on Twitter. I'm at Lou Mangiello. And our Facebook page is facebook.com slash WDWRadio. As I said during this week's show, I hope to be able to meet you in person, whether it's at a meet of the month in Walt Disney World or one of our many on-the-road events. You can visit the events page on the website as well as the events page over on our Facebook page as well. Our next meet of the month is going to be Saturday, January 12th from 2 to 4 p.m. over at Storybook Circus and the Pete's Silly Sideshow seating area. It's during marathon weekend, so if you're running, walking, watching, or cheering during the half marathon on Saturday, you'll have plenty of time to come by, say hi, meet some other WWE Radio friends and listeners. Again, our events page is on the website and Facebook as well. I want to thank also, as always, my partners and sponsors. Big thanks go out to Becky Mankin again. She is my recommended travel provider. Honestly, not just because they give you the best possible prices, though we'll find you and actively seek out all available discounts, but really Becky and her amazing team of agents give you such an incredible level of personal attention and service. That's the hallmark. That is their difference. That's why I use and recommend them so very highly, and I'm so grateful to her and her team for all their support in this past year. I look forward to doing more with them in 2013. You can visit their website over at mousefantravel.com. Big thanks also to All Star Vacation Homes if you're looking for maybe a vacation home or condo within just a couple of miles of Walt Disney World. They're over at allstarvacationhomes.com. My friend Tim Foster, Top Tens with Tim, and the publisher of Celebrations Magazine. Visit celebrationspress.com. There you can subscribe, order back issues, and get it on your iPad. Get digital downloads of every issue as well, too. I also want to give thanks to everybody else who had a chance to work with this year, including everybody over at touringplans.com. Basque NYC and AJ over at the Disney Food Blog. I appreciate all of your friendship and support as well. Most importantly, I want to thank you, each and every one who is listening, because whether we have met yet or not, I do consider you a friend. I consider you part of my family. And all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links or comments to your favorite episodes over on Facebook. And please come by. Rate and review the show and the app over in iTunes. Very, very helpful. Very appreciated. And finally, and most importantly, uh, you guys have given me, as I said, the greatest gift of all, which is being able to share something that I sincerely love so very much. And you let me come into your home or your car or your iPod or whatever it is each and every week. And for that, I am eternally grateful. And it is why I consider you my friends and my extended family. And I hope that you, in 2013 and beyond, start to find the thing that you are passionate about, that you love so much, and that you can do and share every day. I hope that you set goals. Don't make resolutions. Set goals and realize that you can achieve so much more in life by surrounding yourself with positive people who love, encourage, motivate, and believe in you. And so as we step into this new year full of new opportunity, I hope that you start on your goal, help others, love your family, take a leap of faith, and make today an everyday matter. Believe in yourself and always keep moving forward. 
thank you again so, so very much for the most amazing year of my life. I only am looking forward to getting bigger and better with you in 2013. So until next time, until next year, see ya. Hi, Lou. It's Andre DeStefano from New Jersey. How are you? Um, I'm just sitting here finishing up final stuff um, for my the end of my semester at school. Um, I'm actually currently working on a college comp final research paper. Um, it's actually, the topic is how Walt Disney and the Walt Disney Company contributed to our society. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, I'm down to five pages so far, and I really use no outside research other than you and um, a bunch of other sites and podcasts that I've listened to over the years, and my own knowledge as well. But, you know, I have to cite that, so yeah, I've got to find a way to do that. Anyway, um, I will be coming down to Walt Disney World in about three days. I'm so excited. I'm meeting up with people when I get there, and I will also be attending the meet of the month, which I'm also very excited about. Okay, Lou, well, have a wonderful evening, and um, talk to you on Saturday. All right, bud. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Hi, Lou. This is Aziz Parker, and I'm calling you from New Orleans, Louisiana. I just finished listening to WDW Radio Show 305. And I want to say thank you for doing the show about my favorite attraction, Glass Mountain, and also the movie associated with it, Song of the South. I'm an avid Disney fan who happens to be a black man who lives in the South. So I appreciate it very much that you and Jim Corpus did this show, and I want to thank Jim especially for writing the book and not being afraid to talk about the subject that has been controversial to some. But once again, Lou, thank you for doing a great job. Keep up the good work. See you. The simple bare necessities Forget about your worries and your strife